Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, my guest today is Ben Shalati, co-host of the Questions from the Closet podcast and author of the book, A Walk in My Shoes, Questions I'm Often Asked as a Gay Latter-day Saint. Ben is with me today because I have, in the past six or so months, been doing a ton of homework into the LBGTQ community after my oldest daughter came out as queer. One of the first stops on my path has been listening to their podcast. He and his co-host, Charlie Bird, are touching the lives of the straight and gay communities by openly sharing their own messy and marvelous coming out stories. Well, welcome, Ben. And uh, you are here because you have a phenomenal podcast called Questions from the Closet. Thank you. Um, and it's with uh, Charlie Bird. And he's too cool to be with us today, apparently. <laughs> Charlie is very cool. Yeah. He's very I, cool. I like the I like the less cool the dynamic duo, but I'd like to think I'm still a little dynamic. No, I don't think so. You got you got you got a better voice for this than he does for sure. Oh, that's true. Okay. Yeah, I mean, hands down, right? Yes. But I I I you're here because I love what you guys are doing with your with your questions from the closet podcast, and I'm also doing some personal research um, because I have my daughter. One of my daughters has has come out about six eight months ago. And so that's a new, this is new territory for her mom and I, and it's, it was this, it's been a strain. I mean, her, and also for those listening, Ben and I are both members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, my daughter has left the club and it's been a challenging go around with trying to keep that relationship intact um, because she's uh She's got some, you know, some trauma, some hurt from, from growing up in it. And she was married in the temple and that didn't work out so well. So I've been doing a lot of research, listening to trans podcasts, gay podcasts, reading books from people like you. Awesome. You know, the book that you wrote, you wrote called a walk in my shoes just to try to, at the very minimum, understand the world that she's in. So I appreciate what you and, and Charlie are doing. Yeah, of course. Um, and I'm sure your daughter is so, so, so glad that you're doing your best to, to learn and understand. And- I hope so. I hope so. Because I want to have a relationship with her and, and, and just, you know, loving my neighbor is my baseline for most things in life. And she's my neighbor. And I want to, I want to understand because I want the relationship with her. I don't want her to feel like she can't talk to us about the most important things in her life. And that has been the case for quite a while. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a quote, but the quote was basically to be loved and to be understood are so similar that most people can't tell the difference. Well, so it some- says right here, you put it in your book. It says um, someone has said that people would rather be understood than loved. Right. And Ben, I was looking at this other there's on the next page. You said, I would rather have been dead and straight than alive and gay. Holy hell. This is about you and your show and what you're doing. So I want you tell me what the, why did you guys start the show? Maybe a little bit about your story and then people yeah. can read your book because your book's very short, which I love and powerful. Well, thank you. You know, I, I want it to be something that someone could like grab and read in the afternoon if they're a fast reader or read in a few days. And, and, you know, my, 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 my story 
you know, it's about me, of course, because it's my story. But really, uh, I wanted the book to be like like a, like a teaching memoir where people could could learn principles. And you know, principles are just truth that's packaged ready for application. So I thought, well, if I can tell people some principles, give them some truth, and then go and unpack all those principles. And I wrote my book for straight people. Like you know, LGBTQ people will will find good things in it. Uh, but I wrote it. I wrote the book. I wish my parents had had. I wish my church leaders had had. And you might not have noticed this, but on purpose, almost all the you know quote unquote heroes in my book are straight people, because I want people to get a bunch of examples of things that they could do and how they could respond and, and, and how to help people. So the reason I wrote the book and started the podcast was because I know the people in my community and we have a really good community, like just wonderful people who are loving and kind, who unfortunately sometimes just aren't versed in all topics and can be ignorant. And I don't think the ignorance comes out of malice, it's just a lack of proximity, just a lack of understanding. And so I thought, well, if I can bring people into my shoes, let them see things from my perspective, then that can help uh, create a more loving, kind, inclusive community. So that, that's what it was all, that, that's, that's what, where the book came from. And then the, the podcast comes from a similar vein, but the podcast uh, is meant for closeted LGBTQ individuals in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, you know, even though that's our target audience, you know, tons of people, the moms listen to us, we're loved by the moms far too much, you know, that the moms of LGBTQ kids. And, uh, and, you know, the idea was, you know, back when I was in the closet, there were all these things I wanted to talk about, all these questions I wanted to explore, and I was too scared to bring it up. I had no one to talk to. And so Charlie and I thought, well, we could create a podcast where we're having these conversations, and so people who want to have them can participate in the conversations without having to be out. And so that was the idea. Let, let's have the conversations people want to have, uh, but the, they don't quite feel ready to have yet. How did you and Charlie get to know each other? Yeah, so um, there are a couple LGBTQ Larry Saint organizations that have yearly conferences, and we met at one of those conferences um, back in the fall of 2017. And I was 33 at the time. I just moved from Arizona uh, back to Provo to start a master's in social work at BYU. And Charlie, he's nine years younger than me, so he was like 24 and and pretty closeted. And he like came to this conference like really scared. And I saw him, could tell he was feeling a little uncomfortable. So I went up and introduced myself. We, we chatted a bit. I found out he was a BYU student. And I was like, hey, I'm a student too. We should grab lunch sometime. And I like meant it as like, hey, we can be friends. Like no need to be alone. But he thought I was asking him on a date, uh, which I was not. So he was kind of scared <laughs> of me. Uh, but then a, a few months later, we were both asked to be part of a working group on campus at, at, at Brigham Young University of a bunch of campus administrators and nine LGBTQ students. And we met weekly to have discussions about how to help campus be a more uh, inclusive place uh, for LGBTQ students. And so he and I were, were, were two of the nine students on this committee, and that's how we became good friends. And then uh, tip, typically, um, typically when, when things like that end and Charlie graduated and he, he moved away, I just thought our friendship would just kind of fizzle out. But he, was, he lived in New York for two years, and we just maintained our friendship and was, was still talking on the phone. And, and then when he moved back to Provo, that's when we started the podcast. It was actually before he moved to Provo, we started the podcast. So uh, great that it's worked out. What has been like the most aha moment since you started doing it that you guys yeah. have learned? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, the, the really beautiful thing that happens is when we, we used to like outline our episodes, like, OK, 
okay, we're going to talk about this and this and this, like these are the points we're going to cover. And we still sometimes do that. And especially for really important episodes. Um, and I'll of course do that in my head. Um, but we started learning like the best moments of the podcast were things that we couldn't have ever planned. And so just kind of letting the conversation go, go where it's going to go, just letting it flow. And I remember like, like the first real aha moment was uh, like, like one that just felt really powerful to me was an episode called, should I go on a mission? And, you know, talking about, you know, as a gay person, should I serve a mission for the church for 18 months or, or, two, or two years? As we're having this conversation, Charlie ended up telling this really beautiful story that he had never told about God loving him and like creating a situation where he was going to feel safe, you know, with, with, you know, months before he even left on his mission. And, you know, it was just like this really beautiful moment of life of like, God cares about us. He is in these details and really watching out for us. I just remember like finishing the episode and just thinking, you know, this is just like, just so beautiful to have this moment together. Another episode from our first season that, that really stands out to me where, where we had a bunch of aha moments was an episode called, is there a place for me in the church? And I'd had this like kind of triggering thing happen where I was just, just like, felt like there wasn't a place for me. And at the time, Charlie and I were roommates. So I came home and talked to him about it. And we were talking to our other roommate, McKay, who was also gay. And we were like, we just got to talk about this right now. So we just went into the studio, put on our headphones and turned on the mics and just recorded the conversation we were having. And what really came to that conversation um, was just like the reality of like, this is hard. Like being an LGBTQ saying is really hard. Sometimes people are terrible to us. Sometimes we feel like we don't have a place, but we have each other's back. Like we are here for one another. And I remember months later, like months after we recorded it, I was having a bad day. For some reason, I decided to listen to, that, to listen to that episode. And then I heard myself say the things I needed to hear, like that day. I was like, how cool is this that I get to cheer myself up? You're like, I am so amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that, and that was just, that was just really, really fun and beautiful. And so, you know, um, yeah, we, we have those kinds of aha moments. And another one from a recent episode, um, this is probably like, you know, you said your biggest aha moments. I'm sharing a couple of aha moments. This is probably my biggest one just happened recently. And we recorded an episode called, what if I'm feeling totally and completely devastated? And I talked about having a crush on this guy. And this was just a couple months ago, like having a crush on this guy, but not being able to date him, just like working through those feelings, like feeling like so sad about it all. And then as we were talking, I just remembered this moment I'd had a few weeks before uh, where my um, landlady, Charlotte, who's 88, had showed me her journal entry um, from, from 40 years before. It had this really beautiful, touching story in it. And uh, she asked her husband, like, like, what was the best thing he could have imagined, like the best news he could have imagined that day. And then the thing he wanted, like it happened, like this miracle had happened. And so when he said the thing he wanted, she said, well, you got it. I remember just like telling that story in the podcast, being like, like all these trials, like all these struggles, like someday someone's going to say, you got it. Like the thing that you were striving for, that you were fighting for, like you got it. And, you know, I try not to focus on, on outcomes and like specific things. And, you know, the, the you got it that I want is to be able to return to live with my heavenly parents, you know, to kneel at the Savior's feet and to have them say, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant. No pressure. <laughs> I think I'll make it. I think we'll all make it. Yeah, I, I do. And I think the other side, I know sometimes we can get hung up on eternal life and the life after and my philosophy is, I think God's going to sort most of that out. And we need to focus on here because I can't do anything about 
what's going on there. And I, even, even my daughter, she's, she's from my wife's first marriage. And at one point she was worried because her bio dad has left and he's just, and she was worried about how that's going to work out in the end because she wasn't quote unquote sealed to my wife and I. Yeah. And that's when I said, even I, I think just, I think God's going to work it out. He's going to work out all these little things that we get butt hurt and hung up about now. So don't stress about it. Just live your life as best you can and try not to be a big a dink as you were yesterday. <laughs> so, you know? Yeah. 100%. You know, what we said reminds me of a scripture in the doctrine and covenants, uh, which, which it's in section 58 verse three. And it says, ye cannot behold with your natural eyes for the present time, the design of your God concerning those things which will come hereafter and the glory which shall fall after much tribulation. I love that because it's so clear. Like we can't picture the next life. Like we don't know what's going to happen. We can't even imagine it. And so, uh, you know, we can try, um, but a lot of the things that we worry about, they're going to be fixed. That doesn't mean it doesn't cause heartache now. The analogy I always give is, you know, you wouldn't say to someone who just sent their kid off on a mission for 18 months or, or 24 years, who's crying, like, well, don't cry about it. Like they're going to come back. Like it's going to be okay. Like those feelings of like hurt and, 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 and pain and like missing someone are real now, even though it's all going to be okay. And the, reun the, the reunification is going to happen. Uh, but it's, so it is going to work out, but also like the feelings of like, where do I fit in? Like, how does this work? Like, what does my family look like? You know, those feelings are still real and valid now too. Yeah. How, because that's when I was reading your book, I mean, I can, I commend your, your, your willingness to, you know, cause that's just, uh, just having relationships and, you know, you talk about intimacy and that's, I, I try to, I'm, if I didn't have that in my life, that would, that would be, that'd be tough. And that'd be tough to, to reconcile with still being a, a, you know, member in good standing or, you know, whatever that's you're, you're a, you're a better, you're a better man than I. <laughs> well, there's no, there's no need to compare Brian. Well, in that respect, I'm going to, um, that's, how do you, that's tough. That's a tough one. I don't know. I don't even know how to ask that. Dude. Yeah. Well, the, the truth is like, I have to make hard choices in my life all the time. You know, everyone has to make hard choices. And I remember one time, you know, this is a story I share in my book really briefly where I was talking to my friend Leanne on the phone and I was just crying. I was like, why do I have to choose? between being, being in a church that I love and being with someone that I love? You know, why do I have to make that choice when straight people don't have to? And, and she just cried with me and just like felt my pain with me. And then as she just listened, you know, what the savior would have done, um, you know, cause the shortest verse in our scriptures just says Jesus wept because Mary had just told Jesus that her brother Lazarus had died. And Jesus didn't say it. Look, Mary, I got this. I'm going to cry. It's going to be fine. I'll go raise him from the dead. Like, it's fine. Like, don't cry. That's yeah. not what he did. He was like, he felt her pain with her. Um, and then he raised her from the dead, or, or raised, raised, raised Lazarus from the dead, which was really awesome. Um, and, uh, and then, so as Leanne and I were talking, I just, I, I quoted my favorite line from Preach My Gospel, which says, all that is unfair about life can be made right through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And so I experience a lot of unfairness. And everyone does, like everyone's life includes some measure of unfairness. And I have a lot of unfairness in my life. I know that all that will be made right through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And so what I try and do now is just say, okay, how can I be useful? How can I be helpful? How can I build the kingdom of God? And how can I do this, you know, as me? 
And God's given me lots of opportunities to do that. And I think we'll continue to. So, you know, whatever I think, oh man, I wish I had a partner. I wish I had a partner. You know, I think about 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul compares the body of Christ to, a, uh, to an actual body. And, you know, he says, the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. And the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Uh, you know, what's better, hearing or, or seeing? You know, they're both important. And so when I think, oh man, I wish I had a partner like this person has a partner, that's me being a foot wishing I was a hand, you know, but I'm not. And, I'm, and, and what I've learned is there are things that a single gay man can do that a married straight man can't, and I'm going to do those things. And I'm going to see my life not as a deficit, not, oh, I'm missing out on intimacy, or I'm missing out on a partner, or I'm missing out on children, like I don't have a deficit. Instead, I have added opportunities because of my status as a single gay person uh, that allow me to serve in, in different and unique ways. So an example of that would be what? So my brother is five years older than me. Uh, and if you met him and like saw us together, you'd be like, are you guys twins? Like we are super similar. And I'm, I'm living his gay life. Like I am exactly him, except that I am gay. And if you were to compare our lives, they are super, super different. Um, cause you know, he has these four kids he has to take care of. He's got a, he's got his job and his wife. He's got this like very like small life, you know, this life where he, he's with his family, he's with his job and he, he's in a state presidency and does that work. And it's great. And it's a beautiful life. Um, and my life is so different. Like I am interacting with different people all the time, all day long. I'm traveling constantly to, to speak and, you know, people call and they have problems and I talk to them. I'm responding to all these emails. Uh, you know, I get to work in the temple. Uh, like I, because I'm single, I have all this time to do things that I wouldn't if I were married. And so, you know, there was a time in my life where I was single. I was just kind of depressed. I was like, well, I'm just going to sit around and be sad. Uh, and then I was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to just, I'm going to use this as a, as a, as a, as a blessing uh, to, to like this time I have as a single person to, to go and, and give more love and more light to, to more people because I don't have to worry about my, my family. Yeah, as you're not strapped down by the old ball and chain, right? Yeah, and, and not to say like like his life is better or my life is better. They're just, just different. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, trust me, I have four kids, and there are some days, and you know, I have one left at home. But there were days where I'm like, I don't want to be a freaking dad today. I just want to be a selfish teenager and worry about my own crap. I don't. Yeah. I want to have a thought that's that's uninterrupted by someone asking me for something. It's a constant battle with your selfish nature. I mean, life is generally, but as a parent, free. like, really? Can I just, yeah. And I, I tell people that I've been trying to go inactive for 26 years because, but I can't seem to shake it because late, I'm, I'm still battling with the dude that doesn't want to do any of this stuff. The dude doesn't want, doesn't wants to be irresponsible. And yeah. I, I have to, I don't, I don't want to go today. I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to. You know, and some days I don't, but yeah. Sounds like you're a human being. Weird. I know. Weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you know, as you were talking, um, I, I was thinking about when I first came out to my parents, one of the first things my dad said, trying to be helpful was, well, you're probably better off being single because being married is hard. You know, just like a, things could be worse. So be grateful for what you got kind of response. Yeah. And which wasn't helpful at all. Yeah. Um, no. But it, but it's true, and, you know. I, I, you know, I work full time at Brigham Young University and as an administrator. Uh, but I also have been a therapist, and doing therapy and just like having a lot of friends who I've talked to, 
you know, I know that like being married doesn't solve anyone's problems. No. You know, having kids doesn't make life full of bliss. You know, um, that, that there are struggles that come with any any life choice. And so, you know, it's not like, oh man, if I could just be married and have kids, life would be so easy. I mean, that's not true. You know, life would be just di- life would be so different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, I remember thinking, like, I want to get married so I can like have a partner. And then I had I've had so many friends get married. And I remember seeing some of my friends get married, uh, and then they would have a kid. And then they would both be really busy. Like one would be in school and one would work full time. So they'd plan their schedule. So one would be home with the kid while the other was at work. Then they would switch. I was like, they never see each other because they're always taking care of this kid. I'm like, they have about as much of a partner as I do. Yeah. They never see each other. And so, you know, I, I just learned that like every life comes with challenges and difficulties. And mine has challenges and difficulties, but I just am on the path that feels right for me. And it brings me a lot of joy. And tell me the job you have at BYU. Yeah, so I work in the honor code office. Um, that's what we call our student conduct office. So every university by law has a student conduct office. And so we, we deal with students who violate or allegedly violate our code of conduct. And every I, university has something like that? Every university has one. And a lot of them even call it the honor code. I didn't, not, I didn't know. I thought BYU was, a, was an anomaly in that. I didn't realize that. Every university has one. Uh, and so I, I meet with students who violate our code of conduct and then help them get back to good standing with the university. So when I first heard that that's your job, I'm like, well, that's, that's fascinating. That's an, I guess, irony, I guess, maybe not that that was your, that was your job as a gay man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and think so it that, surprises and upsets a lot of people. So. It upsets the people. Oh yeah. Um, you know, some, there are some people who think that you know, BYU is far too liberal and I shouldn't be working here as a gay person. And there are other people who think that, that BYU is far too conservative and I'm just being a traitor to my own kind by working here. Traitor to your own kind? Yeah. Which, which kind? Like other, like gay people. Yeah, so. no, I did this. It's like, that's a, we are in such a world of, if you're not whatever enough, then you've, you've pissed off the, you know, you're not, you know, the status quo enough or not conservative enough or liberal enough or gay enough or not gay enough or straight enough. Yeah. And of course I don't like people not liking me. I would love to be loved and adored. Of course. Um, But at the same time, like I'm just trying to do the thing that works best for me where I feel like I'm going to be the most useful. I feel like this is the place where I'm useful. Yeah. Well, based on what I've read about you and what you've, you know, you said, yeah, I think you're doing a phenomenal amount of good in the world. Thank you. Talk to, uh, because I'm a, a parent of a gay child, maybe what, what's some counsel for other, I guess maybe I should be given the counsel since I'm the parent, but I don't know, um, about when they, when they come to this crossroad, for lack of a better term. Yeah, so um, Charlie and I did an episode of Questions from the Closet uh, about a year and a half ago called What Are the Stages of Coming Out? we talk about the, the experience someone usually has of coming out and just really broadly, it's like, this isn't real, uh, this isn't really happening. And then it's like, oh no, this is happening. How can I fix it? To maybe I am gay and maybe that is okay. And then being gay, there's like this pride stage where being gay is like all that you are. It's like the most important thing. And you get to a place of synthesis where like being gay is just like part of your identity. So it's just, and I just, just like explain something really, really briefly, it's quite complex. Um, but, but it's this whole process and parents and families go through a similar process of, okay, my kid told me they're not gay or that they're gay. This can't be real. And then, okay, maybe this is real. Like, how do we fix this? 
like maybe they are gay and that's okay and then like oh my gosh my kid is gay i'm like that's all that matters then they get to a place of like okay this is part of my kid and not all of who they are and so for 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 parents um i think it's important to recognize like like you've got you're going to have time to you need time to, to to adjust to learn to be in this new world and i'll talk to a lot of lgbtq um uh kids you know like like teens or young adults like I came out to my parents and they were terrible and they just didn't get it. And then I say, well, how long did it take you to come to terms with your orientation? They'd say, they'll say like, I don't know, four years, five years. I'll say, well, you have to give them that same amount of time. Like, yes, that, time. That, and yeah. that, that statement. And then I think Charlie wrote that in his book that he was 24. And he yeah. said, I, I've been, that's been my existence for 24 years. So I have to give my, my parents that grace that I'm, expecting from them it's a lot of truth to that because it's it's fear so so when 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 your kids come out to you like it's okay to, to take time to like learn and understand like not really get it all at first so the thing that really helped me like as a gay person was getting to know other gay people because i was like oh this isn't a unique thing um, it was so good and healthy for me to meet other gay people so i think for parents proximity to the lgbtq people like getting close to other lgbtq people who aren't their kid is really important because then it helps you see like like your kid isn't unique that's something that, that they're going through that a lot of people are going through and so that proximity can come in a lot of ways you know podcasts books you know talking to friends and loved ones um, that is super important and I, I just like to share just a really short paragraph from my book um, I wrote this on the second class page and I'm really proud of this paragraph it's super short but I wrote this or I have one parting request if you were tempted to give this book to an LGBTQ friend or loved one I would ask you to resist that temptation and pause for a moment. Instead of giving them my story, can you invite them to tell you theirs? So I think for any parent, the most important thing is going to be listen to your kid, understand their story. And this isn't something that like it's just one conversation, but something that needs to be revisited again and again and again. And so for, for parents of LGBTQ teens or, or young adults, um, I would recommend you know, saying something like, you know, thank you so much for trusting me. Thank you so much for telling me. Uh, is it okay if I ask you a few questions? It's like ask for their consent so that you know they're not sharing if they don't want to share, and then just you know asking these broad questions like you know what has this been like for you, um, you know you told me yesterday you know why why what happened yesterday that, that made you want to tell me then like why now you've known for years why now, and that usually gives a window into what's going on into someone's life, um, and then I just you know ask follow up questions and people have really broad and different different perspectives and then. Uh, I think an important part when you're asking these kinds of questions and having these conversations is to show that you're understanding. And so I would say, what I'm hearing you say is this, or is it okay if I summarize what I heard and summarize what you're hearing so that they feel understood? Uh, and then if there's something you say that wasn't quite right, then they can, they can correct it. Well, I'm married and I suck at validation, but I'm working on it. <laughs> it's a good skill to learn. It's a skill anyone it's can such a good skill to learn. And I'm so, the my brain still, well, let's just fix it. Whatever the conversation is, let's fix it because that's yes. what, anyway. Very normal human response. Once yeah. Again. Yeah. Which, you know, and with my daughter, I, I'd asked, I said, Hey, can we, can we have a conversation? Not through text. I cannot do texting too much is missed. So can we please just have a, I want to know how long you've been feeling this way. Did, you know, when, when you were younger, did, did we, did you feel like you, why, why couldn't you? I, I'm sad that we didn't provide an environment that was such that she felt she could talk about some of the concerns she had. And, and it's tough in this culture in Utah, Utah is different than 
LDS communities elsewhere. It is different. And I've been outside in California. It is different. So that's what I want to do. I want to just start that. And she said she's willing. So that's progress in my book. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and one thing that I found is so important is, you know, when you're entering a new world, like you're talking LGBTQ stuff for the first time, it's hard. And it's a whole new lingo, you know, new information. And the way I describe it, it's like, uh, I was a Spanish teacher for a long time. When you learn a new language, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to conjugate verbs wrong. You're going to mispronounce things. You're going to accidentally swear. You know, it's just normal. But, the, but those stumbles are necessary to develop fluency in the language. And so as you talk about LGBTQ stuff with your kid for the first time, you are going to stumble and you're going to say the wrong thing. Just like recognize that's going to happen. And then when you do, apologize and do better. And, that, and, and then give one another grace and, and opportunities to continue growing. We'll be right back after a quick timeout. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. One, it's free. Two, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many others. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. It is so stinking easy. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You will not be disappointed. Hey, welcome back. Yeah, so fun. Exciting, huh? Um, you talk about the language. And one question I have is the pronoun. I, I call it a thing. Again, I'm probably, like you say, I'm, I'll probably get things wrong and piss somebody off, but I'm learning. So bear with me. The pronoun things to be seems to be paramount. And again, I've, I've probably only, I've probably seen a lot of extreme things where the, the, you know, especially, you know, with trans, the trans, some of the trans things I'll listen to, I don't necessarily hear it in the gay community as much, but tell me why that is so critical and such a big, big deal. So I, I'm the wrong person to ask about this because you know, I'm not transgender. So you know, I was assigned male at birth. I feel male. I use masculine pronouns. So this is something like outside of my experience. So all I know is what I've learned from other people. And uh, so you know, on my Zoom account, I've got my name with my pronouns after. So I initially didn't have my pronouns after my name because I think it's pretty obvious that I'm male. You know, I look male, I sound male, I talk male. Um, so I think the way people perceive me is the way that I am. So that's not a problem for me. I was teaching a class at BYU and I had a trans student in my class. And they just mentioned one day how, how meaningful it is to them when someone um, has their pronouns after their name. I thought, you know what, this isn't something I super understand, but if it makes my student feel better, I'm willing to do that for them. So so that's when I changed my, my profile on Zoom so it has my... My, my pronouns in it. So uh, my, my understanding um, from talking to trans friends, once again, like this, this is a conversation I have with a trans person, uh, is that you know our pronouns reflect how people view us, how they see us. And it can be really jarring for someone to be viewed differently than how they perceive that they are. Um, so you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to people who like, they'll, they'll be you know, ma'amed or sirred you know, when they're buying something at the grocery store. So it's like, oh, ma'am or sir. Like if someone were to say to me, oh, oh hello, ma'am, like, well, that would just be jarring to me because I don't see myself as a woman. And, uh, but then for some people, 
uh, who are assigned male at birth but identify as female, like being called sir is like really jarring to them because they don't feel like they're a man. So what that experience is like of, you know, this, this dysphoria, it's called gender dysphoria, like the congruence yeah. between how you feel you are and how, how, how your, your, your body is or how people perceive you. I don't know what that's like, um, but I know that a lot of people have told me that, that it's really meaningful to them uh, when I use their preferred pronouns. And so that's something that, that I strive to do um, just out of kindness, even though it's something that I personally don't, don't understand or experience. Well, that makes sense. Then I have a niece and I'm going to call her niece because that's how I tell the story. A niece who's trans male. I interviewed her, them again, a year and a half ago. And I wanted to tell the, the whole story. And we had talked about it before that I was going, I needed to, Hey, you were a little girl whatever, whatever age. So I told the whole story and I said, I wanted to do that. So everyone listening could understand the full story. So at the end, I got a lot of flack from people who they sort of missed the conversation, I think. And all they could focus on was you misgendered them. And they just kept hammering about misgendering them. I said, well, no, I, I did not. I can see how you say that, but I, I wanted to tell the full story yeah. and I had to, I had to do that. Otherwise, people wouldn't know what was going on. But that was interesting to me. I'm like, ah, you're missing the whole point of the conversation I had. You're hanging up on a title. You know, it makes more sense to me now. But at the time, I, I didn't get it, and it was confusing to me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think an analogy that I think a lot of people would understand who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are, you know, the shift from a couple years ago when we moved from calling ourselves Mormons to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Latter-day Saints, you know, my identity was Mormon. Like I grew up outside of Utah. Like I was like the Mormon, like that was my nickname in high school, like the Mormon, like this is this, this huge part of my identity. And then when the president of the church asked us to not refer to the church as the Mormon church, not to refer to ourselves as Mormons, like that was hard for me. But I had a number of friends who weren't members of the church who I talked to about this. And I said, hey, could you like refer to me as a Latter-day Saint instead of as a Mormon? And they're like, whatever, I don't get the difference. But I asked them to do it and they were kind enough to do that. And still, like at first it was so hard for me to just like not say I'm Mormon because I was so used to saying that. But then as time went on, as I got more practice, I'm better just saying like, like as, a, as a gay Larry Saint instead of as a gay Mormon. And so, you know, it comes with time. Um, and I'm just really grateful for the people who, who have taken the time to, you know, respect how I refer to myself religiously um, when that changed. And, uh, and I, I think that, that our trans friends, um, we, we can show them respect and kindness by, by honoring the way that they want to be seen as well. And, and now what I found we do as members of the church is we say, what haven't I asked you or what do you want to talk about that, that I know that's a pretty broad question, but that yeah. I haven't, what do you want to share that maybe I haven't asked you yet? Yeah, th there's this uh, quote that I love. It's actually my favorite quote. It comes from the Lorax. And the quote is... I see it on your wall. On your, is that on your shelf? Yeah, it's right over there. My favorite quote. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. And, you know, I often tell a story about uh, coming out to my best friend. He was the first person I came out to. He was my roommate. And when I came out to him, I was just so afraid that it was going to change our relationship. And so one of the first things I said to him was, you know, I understand if you don't want to be my roommate anymore. 
like the spirit had for years, I, for, for months, I finally verbalized it. And I, I, I understand if you don't want to be my roommate anymore. And then Craig, my roommate, he responded by saying, uh, why wouldn't I want to be your roommate? This doesn't change anything. Like you're the same person you've always been. And that was just like such a healing thing for me. Now, what Craig didn't realize was the life-changing moment we had just had. And he had no idea that life-changing moment was about to happen. It just came out of nowhere for him. He, he didn't had no time to prepare. But he said the right thing because he really cared about me. And so, you know, the, the, the people uh, that we interact with in our lives who are LGBTQ, who we don't know yet, you know, when they come out to us, that's a life-changing moment for them. And if we really care about them, you know, that can be a life-changing moment that helps change things for the good. And, um, and, and all, all it takes is just, like, like that quote said, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better if not. And I talk to LGBTQ people all the time, and there are so many of them who just wish that they could die, just wish that they could disappear. We just wish that because of their orientation or their gender identity, they think it would be better for them not to exist. And that is not a world that's okay to live in. Like it is not okay to live in that world. And so it's incumbent on all of us to care a whole awful lot so that people know like, like we love you, we claim you, and you are part of our family forever. Like you aren't a burden, you are a gift. And uh, I, th I think that's something that we can do a better job in our communities. We can. And, and I want to do a shout out to Joey Shepard, who actually is how I found you. He's apparently had, did not have a great coming out. No parties. Wasn't, wasn't a good experience and apparently still is not. So I'm going to have him on next, but I want to thank him for connecting us. Um, and that breaks my heart when I hear that, that, you know, the whole disowned thing. And, and I think of, you know, my daughter and, and, you know, maybe she thought that that was going to happen. And, you know, the, the opposite has happened. We, we don't, we want, we love her for who she is and, and we don't want her out of our lives. In fact, we've opened the doors wider since. Um, I can't imagine as a parent doing that to a child. And I, and it's, and I'm going to, you know, I'll find this out when I have him on, but I'm guessing his mom was scared, just scared of, of, you know, the loss because, you know, as a parent, you have this vision for your kids and what that's going to look like. And, you know, my wife is just dying to be a grandma. We have a grand dog, so we're getting closer. And I think there's a fear of, I'm not going to have that now. You know, I'm, we have three other kids, but there's that fear. And, and I, I don't know, you know, I would guess that in, in her heart of hearts, his mom is scared. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, you probably obviously you're friends with them. You know more than I do about that story. Yeah, but you know, Joe, Joe is like my 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 younger sibling. I mean, we're not related, but you know, that's how close we are. We're we're super close. Yeah. And you know, I I think it's really kind of you, Brian, to say things like you know, this is hard for the family. Right? It really it really is hard, and and it, it can be difficult for people to see like the life I thought I was going to have is going to be different. Like that's painful, and it's okay to acknowledge that pain. And for that, and for that to, to be real and understood and acknowledged. And, and yet, you know, when an LGBTQ friend or loved one comes out, you know, as much as we have our personal reaction, like, like it's time to be, that conversation is about them. And there's this really beautiful show where I think it, it just shows like the best coming out experience possible where this teenage kid comes out to his mom. And the first thing the mom says is, oh, honey, I am so sorry for all the times you wanted to tell me and felt like you couldn't. You know, like, 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 what a beautiful response. Like, I, like, I, I, I'm sorry you, you felt like you couldn't tell me. And so, um, you know, 
like, yes, let's deal with our own feelings, but let, let's see things from our perspective and deal with our own sadness and the way that things are changing and work with all those emotions. And yet, and yet uh, when a loved one comes out, like that, that moment is about them. And that there's a website the church has called counselingresources.churchofjesuschrist.org. And it says, the most important thing you can do after a member discloses feelings of same-sex attraction is to listen and help them feel welcome. I, th I think that's our charge. When someone shares anything vulnerable, we listen and we help them feel welcome. And say, how can, how can I help is the, probably the best thing you could say. How can I help? What can I do? 100%. Because yeah. it's easy. You wanna, like, like when someone dies or you, you want to fix it and say, well, you know, you'll see him again. <laughs> uh, wrong. Yeah. Uh, what was that film? Because I know you talked about this on a podcast episode and they were pressuring you to tell <laughs> them what the name of it was and you never did. You held yeah. out. What well, I don't it? want to give away the ending. It's a Netflix show called Heartstopper. Heartstopper. Well, you won't give away the ending, but now yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go watch that. It's really good. It's only like eight episodes, it's like four hours long total. It's just this really beautiful, like coming of age story that's just really innocent and beautiful and just kind of gives a, a window into what it's like to be an LGBTQ teen yeah. today. I have another theory about, I don't know if the, the words are, are wrong, the, the, the increase or more prevalence of people coming out. Uh, is, and this theory I have is that it's, it's to provide opportunities for us to love people who are different than us because it's easy to love those that look, talk, and act just like you, that's easy. Whereas coming face-to-face -face with, with something like this, it's not, not that you would, I, I'm probably slaughtering this, but, you know, so stop me if, if I'm going over the cliff, but it, it just, it, there's more opportunities now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've talked to, to a lot of parents who say things like, you know, uh, I've learned to love in ways that I never knew I could love, you know, just help to expand um, our capacity for, for charity, compassion ways that a lot of people haven't experienced before, which is really, really beautiful and wonderful. And I also think, you know, more people are coming up now because we just hid in the past. You know, there is literally no, like the job I have right now, like what I do with my life, I couldn't have done this 20 years ago. Like no. it would have been absolutely impossible. No. And, and so now that there's this world where there can be an openly gay administrator at BYU, like that's a jarring world to some people. Uh, and yet there have been gay people here all along. They said, no. And I know a number of closeted people here at this university who are like, I'd like to come out and just be honest, but I just feel like I can't. Um, and so, you know, the, it, we're not done with all the comings out because not everyone feels safe yet. Yeah. And, and, and so, and yeah, so, so, uh, and then as people share, you know, what's in their heart, um, they're going to have more opportunities to, to help people love and you know, there's a hilarious in scripture in the book of Moses that talks about Zion, which is the people of God. It says that Zion is a people of one heart and one mind. I just love that because it says, you know, the people of God is a people that has their heart knit together. And we, we see people's hearts and then we see their minds and they see our hearts and our minds. And we understand one another. That's how we build the kingdom of God. And so we have this beautiful opportunity as more people are like sharing what's in their heart uh, that we can build a kingdom of God by listening and understanding. Well, and practicing the second commandment, loving, loving your neighbor. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that simple. And you know, you're in your position because of the content of your character. I, I'm, I, I know I, I'm going to beat that drum till the day I die. That's, that's just so that's, that's why you're, is it? Yeah. I, to me, it's like you being gay is secondary to your character as a kind human being. That's decent. Yeah. 
Thank you. You know, I, I the analogy I give is, um, you know, there there are all these ingredients that mix together to make up who I am. Uh, you know, things like being an extrovert and being a Latter-day Saint and being male and being gay. You know, all these things work together to make who I am. It's not one thing is me, but it's all me together. And so, if someone someone would like point out one of my characteristics and say like, well, well, that one doesn't matter. Well, it's not true because um, all this works together. Uh, is it okay if I share a quote from a church leader? Uh, it's, it's, hey, this is your story, man. You can say whatever okay. you want. Uh, so this is from um, M. Russell Ballard. He's an apostle in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, formerly often referred to as the Mormon Church. See how fast you said that? What was that? You feel, see how fast you said the name? Yeah. You feel pressured? Yeah, an apostle in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, you felt your brain stretch when you did that, didn't you? Because it's yeah, hard. It, it, it is hard. Go, go ahead. Um, and he said this in a, in a worldwide conference in April 2021. He said this, because we are the spirit children of God, everyone has a divine origin, nature, and potential. Each of us is a beloved spirit, son, or daughter of heavenly parents. This is our identity. This is who we, who we really are. I love that. We're all children of God. That's our identity. I think it's beautiful. Then he goes on to say this. Our spiritual identity is enhanced as we understand our many mortal identities, including ethnic, cultural, or national heritage, this sense of spiritual or cultural identity, love, and belonging can inspire hope and love for Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I have this overarching identity as a child of God, but these identities, like, like my orientation, also, like it says here, inspires hope and love for Jesus Christ. And so is being gay like the core of who I am? No, it, but it's part of who I am. And so if I were to say, like, I am gay and that's who all, all that I am, like, I'm missing out on so much. And that would be a mistake. But if I also say like being gay isn't important, like it doesn't matter, like that's also incorrect because my orientation has changed me and built a relationship with God in a way that, that wouldn't have happened the same if my orientation been different. And so I'm not saying like everyone needs to be gay to have a strong connection with God, like that's definitely not what I'm saying. But I'm saying like, like our, our identities and the different parts of us really matter because like, like Elder Ballard said, they can inspire hope and love for Jesus Christ. Fair point. Thank you, Ben, for coming on. I appreciate you sharing. I know you're a busy man and highly sought after. So to, oh, to sque have squoze me in, I appreciate that. And if for what it's worth, if there's anything I could do to help you with anything on campus or your your job or your show or whatever, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah, Brian, that's so kind. You know, the, 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 the thing that I just ask is that you know, first of all, that people listen to the LGBTQ stories of the people in their lives. Like, that's the most important thing for me. Like, my story matters the least because, you know, people are going to turn off this podcast and I'm gone and they might never hear from me again. The stories that actually matter are the stories of the LGBTQ people in your lives. That's what matters. And then yeah. the thing that people can do if they want to support me is, you know, share my book with a friend who needs to learn a little more or share the podcast with someone who might benefit from it. Um, and so just sharing my work is something that, that, that matters to me a lot as well. Well, tell, tell us how, tell us how to, if, how people can find your book or connect with you on social and the podcast, give all those details. And I will also put those in the show notes. Great. Uh, so I'm really easy to find because I'm the only Ben Shalati on the internet. So, uh, my, that's, my a, handle, that's a heavy duty role. Know, yeah. So my, my handle on, on Instagram is my name, Ben Shalati and Shalati is S C H I L A T Y. Uh, and my book is called A Walk in My Shoes. You can get it at Deseret Book or on Amazon. And the podcast is called Questions from the Closet. You can get it on any podcast platform. Or on, awesome. you, you can watch videos of it on YouTube as well. Yes. Yeah. And that's, yeah. 
it's great stuff. You guys are doing great work. I appreciate it. And I will continue to do my part to uh, help my family and help others. And hopefully other parents that might be listening to this, if they, if they don't have someone coming out in their family, they might, or friends or neighbors. But again, I, I might, if, if one person or two people listen and, and uh, change their world, then, then we've done our job. Yeah, definitely. And Brian, I'm, your daughter is lucky to have a dad like you who's doing his best to learn and understand. Hope so. Some big shoes to fill, but I'm, I'm trying. It's been fun. It'll, it'll be fun. It'll, it'll, it'll all be fine. I think it'll be all, we'll, be, we'll work through it and, and family will be strong and we'll be okay. So again, thank you, sir. Thank you again for listening to the Parish to Thought show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. Hey, thanks again for listening to the show. I am so grateful you're here and continue to support my efforts. Uh, we're doing something a little new. It's called Ask Brian Anything. If you have questions, comments, concerns about any previous episode, or just want to know my perspective on anything, please send those to parishpodcast at gmail.com. That's P-A-R-R-I-S-H podcast at gmail.com, and I'll feature them on an upcoming episode. You're still here? Click on the next episode for more from the Parish the Thought Show.